cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 149 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, July the 9th, 2022, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank Les Edwards for joining last Saturday for another great collector-centric episode. Had a great show with him. Feel free to check that out on the channel if you missed it. Tomorrow night on Collectible Live, our guest will be professional car dealer Mark Demers, also known as Boston Authentic on Instagram. We will be going live at 7 p.m. Eastern on this channel, so please join us. Next Saturday on Sports Cards Live, our guest is hobby veteran Leighton Sheldon of Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. He's a great guy, hobby hobby veteran, tons of, tons of experience. I can't wait to have him on the show. Be sure to join us then. After next Saturday, the next episode won't be until August 6th. I will be in New York City on the Saturday after the Leighton Sheldon episode. And then the Saturday after that, I will be at the National Convention. So no episodes for two weeks, but uh, look forward to seeing as many of you as I can at the National. If you see me walking around, please do flag me down and say hello. Uh, Really excited to meet more and more people in the hobby. And if you are in New York City on Monday, July the 25th, I will be at the Bleecker Trading for their pre-national trade night. Come on down. It's being co-hosted by Card Ladder. So I'm going to be there as well. Come check it out. would love to see some people there. I would like to shout out Center Stage app. Download the app in the App Store for quick comps, whether you are strolling through card shows or pricing your cards. If you are a vendor, it is continuously improving. It's a great team over there. Great guys. Join me in supporting these hobbypreneurs as they endeavor to make the hobby better than it already is. I would also like to shout out channel sponsor, Pristine Auction. PristineAuction.com is one of the most trusted sports memorabilia and collectibles auction sites. Auctions on PristineAuction.com started just $1 each day, and there are thousands of autographed items available. They also sell sports cards starting with no reserves in their weekly sports card auction, which runs Sunday to Sunday and has everything from vintage to ultra modern, including raw and graded singles and wax. Head over to pristineauction.com. Use code SCL when you register to receive $10 off your first purchase. I also want to shout out the hobby's middleman service, Trade Safe, your risk free alternative for trades and buy sells from any peer to peer social media platform or marketplace. TradeSafe has created a service, a process, and a team that makes remote dealing much safer than ever before. It is now fully digital. The website has been completely relaunched, and it's easier than ever to use. Check out TradeSafeHub.com. As always, guys, I want to thank all of you subscribers, viewers, podcast listeners. Grateful for all of you, as always. If you're not yet subscribed to the channel, please take a moment and do so. I'm really excited to be bringing you this fifth and final episode of the Tag Grading Reveal. Uh, You know, we've been going on, let's see, it's about seven or eight weeks now. And the more that I learn about this company, the more that I meet the people there, I am truly convinced that Tag is going to be the disruptor in our hobby as far as grading goes. And I'm just excited to watch it unfold. Episode four was already three weeks ago. And tonight we will hear from founder Steve Cass on some developments, announcements, and more. 
As always, your comments and your questions are in play. Let's bring him out. Steve Cass, welcome back to Sports Cards Live. How are you doing today? Hey, Jeremy. I'm doing really, really good. Thank you. And uh, thanks again for the opportunity to uh, be with you to share this uh, event. Yeah, you you are more you are more than welcome, Steve. It's uh, it's really a uh, it's just great to have you. And uh, as I just said in my opening, I'm I'm excited to see what's going to come after this episode. As uh, as we get through the, you know, you're going to mention a few things tonight. I think the audience is going to be interested to hear them. And um, launch is coming, and I'm excited to see what happens. So uh, before we really jump in, um, any initial thoughts that you want to share in terms of what what your what your plans are for this episode we're about to have? Yeah, it's uh, been a very exciting time for us and uh, getting as close as we are to the launch and uh, seeing everything pull together and, and becoming a, a really, really tight system is just exciting. I, I, I have a very difficult time thinking of the words, but a lot of what we do uh, to develop the grading system is really in part uh, the the springboard, if you will, the foundation for a lot of our vision and business plans going forward. So tonight we're going to talk about a little of the 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 future as we see it. And I wanted to just take a second to tell people I don't know any more about the future than they do, maybe less. And uh, it's a funny thing about the future, but uh, no matter how much you plan, no matter uh, how much knowledge you acquire of what it is you're doing, um, the future is going to speak for itself. And, and to me, the best thing that spending time thinking about the future serves is it gives a better understanding by perspective and by where you want to go uh, for the present. So I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone to lose sight of the fact that all we concentrate on is the present. Uh, what we do is we want to be a grading company. We want to do it as, as well as possible. We want to do it with technology, the lowest cost, fastest turnaround time, <clears throat> reproducibility, consistency. That's our business. So what we're going to talk about tonight are things that, that we dream about. Uh, we think our grading system lends itself nicely to the technology uh, it lends itself to. But we're not taking our eye off the donut to watch the hole everybody we are a grading company we're here to stay as a grading company and if the future provides us the opportunity to add some of these things we're talking about tonight great no promise no commitment no projections just a story about where we think we might uh, go in the future that's okay. it okay no, I appreciate that. It's a, it's a really nice preamble to the to the episode that's about to come. And uh, speaking about the episode that's about to come, I really I really can't believe that we're at the final episode. Uh, five episodes. It's a lot. It's a lot of time to spend together. It's a lot of uh, a lot of hours on sports cards live. But I feel that that uh, the quality and the breadth of information that that uh, Tag has shared uh, it really warrants it. So I do want to ask you though. Um, how has the feedback been for you and the team at TAG over the duration of this series? Almost too much. Uh, seriously, uh, we have, I think the last time I looked, 600 people that have sent in their email, signed up and given their emails and asked us for continuing information, let them know when, when they could submit. We've had people, um, a number of people say, please just stop with the reveal 
tell us when you're when you're uh, accepting third party cards and how much and the address to send them to. Uh, we have had uh, people call wanting to talk about um, their position as group submitters, uh, what they've done for the maybe maybe decades that they've they've been in in the industry, uh, what they're looking to do with us, what they think about us, why they think it. Uh, we have had contacts from as far away as Hong Kong. We've had equipment manufacturers we have, who want to make pods. We have had tech companies that want to develop various technologies for us. Uh, we've had private equity funds. It, uh, you name it. Uh, from the industry, we've had virtually we've had contact from virtually every segment of the industry. And uh, there are, to be candid with people, there are uh, I don't know. I'm going to say 3% of the responses are negatives. Uh, of those, more than half are people who either didn't understand what, what I said or understand what we do. And just factually, they their, their premise was incorrect. And the few people who gave us, I thought, comments that were negative or in part negative, that I understood what they were saying, we've talked to them, we've communicated with them, and in some instances, We've made changes because of their suggestions. So it's been a tremendous uh, experience. Uh, social media people have reached out. Uh, I thank you for everything. I doubt that that any of this would have happened without your ability to introduce us in the proper way, in, in, in the way that fits our, our image, what we how we see ourselves. Yeah, oh, well, you, you bet. Um, I want to ask you this. Uh, what about job applicants? Because you've mentioned that, you know, and it's on your website, you guys are hiring. Have you had a lot of people reach out uh, interested in, in jobs with TAG? Yes, we've had uh, quite a few people who have either emailed us directly because of being on one of these reveal shows or uh, seeing us on YouTube that have asked for opportunities. Uh, we have had people who've responded to ads that we've placed. Um, we don't look for a unique set of skills, but we look for people who are uh, detail oriented, who have the ability to commit to a process uh, to uh, not look for shortcuts or not ways to improve uh, um, their, their quantitative output at the, the compromise of quality. We look for people who are very team oriented. So our interview process is not, they take tests. We have tests developed that they have to take, but we also have them interview with peers in the company, people they'll work with. And that makes it a little more difficult because once you open the door to uh, peers for interviewing somebody, when that person says they don't like them, it's pretty difficult to hire the person. And uh, yet we continue to do that. And we've had, I would say considerable success I wish we had more success. I think right now we're, I believe we're looking for about seven more people over the next, uh, I don't know, six to eight weeks. Uh, it's not time pressure. Uh, it's very easy for us to train somebody. As a matter of fact, we had somebody here that you're aware of that came in and I brought them over to uh, image capture and introduced them to the person, the operator and uh, said to the operator, uh, how long have you been here? I knew, of course. And uh, the person said that yesterday, they were here on a Tuesday, and the person said yesterday was my first day. And I said, what are you doing? And they said, grading cards. 
And the person in the social media world who was here said, I can't believe that. And then we had that person sit down and do some grading and then uh, go over and look at the printers. We had that person do the sonic welding and, and participate. But we're looking for people that, and if there's anybody out there that's looking for a job with a company that will reward commitment with an opportunity for a life-changing event. We're a tech company, a startup. We have a high upside uh, in value. We are going to have the employees participate in that success. Uh, this is not somebody who's looking for a job. This is a person, if there's anyone, looking for a career and wanting to hitch their wagon to people who see the relationship as a two-way street. Uh, we're it. So anyway, uh, long answer, we're, we're, we're filling our slots, but we're not just rushing out and doing it. Um, you have to be the kind of person that we're looking for. Okay, sounds good. Well, let's get into the, the program. I see we have lots of comments coming in already. Uh, I'm going to just quickly say hello to a few people here. Steve Fax Sakes is in the house, says let's go. Brian Adams has been waiting for this. I uh, hope you're well as well. Lucky K. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to be able to try out their service. Hockey Cards Up says, same guys. Can't wait to hear the final details. Sounds good. Wiz Collectibles is back. Good evening, Jeremy and Steve. Excited to see this final episode. Good to see you, Wiz. Justin Vick says, keep the hobby heated. Tag, we got Pete, We got some of your colleagues from Tag uh, in the chat. Hopefully can answer any questions that, uh, that Steve and I may not get to. I like this. David G says, on vacation with the family, but still watching Sports Cards Live tonight. That's great, David. Great to have you. Foul five ball in the house. Skeppy's in the house for live number five. Christine Heward, hello to you. Josh Packham is excited to hear the pricing. Yeah, and there's a, two more comments coming on pricing here. Hobby Champ says he prays it's competitively priced. Uh, something it has to because there has to be a reason to not simply grade with the other companies beyond I we just do it differently. Well, Hobby Champs, uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, consistency is another reason, but uh, I think everyone's going to be pleased with the pricing. I have had a, a preview of it. Uh, Justin Vick says it could go either way. This sounds like a premium service. I think it is a premium service from what I've seen, but I don't think it's at a premium price. And Steve is going to uh, announce pricing tonight. Uh, so you guys can get ready for that. Let's get, but we are not doing it yet. That's coming later. Steve, let's jump into the agenda. Uh, the first thing on my notes uh, that I want you to talk about is further automation and technology in the grading process uh, that you guys are thinking about planning. I'll let you take it away. Further automation in the process. Mm. Uh, there's quite a bit. Um, I think that question kind of begs a little more information uh, in the answer. Uh, part of our technology plan, technology takes time and it takes resource. And when you develop technology, you first have to decide um, how quickly do you want to develop that technology? And when R&D is involved, there's no certainty as to uh, the success of the R&D efforts. And so when you set a timeline for it and you fail, you have to either give up the project or keep going, keep spending money, keep spending time. And that equation, when it's being funded out of the uh, operating cash flow in a startup company uh, can cause the company to have to slow down startup technology, slow down technology, startup slow down, and do it at the rate of, of operating uh, cash flow allowance. Uh, 
So we're not going to do that. Uh, it's not our plan. And with respect to the technology development, we are um, planning on raising about $10 million or up to $10 million in uh, Q4 of this year. And uh, we're already, uh, we've been approached, we're having conversations. So uh, we have uh, some Asian investors who have been pursuing, discussing it. Uh, um, the, as well as U.S. investors. The funds are not going to in any way be distributed to the current equity holders in the company. So it's not like any kind of a takeout for anybody that's in the company. But it is going to be used to develop technology. And we have, we have six objectives uh, in developing technology. The first one is that we want to lower our grading fees consistently. One of our objectives is always to see if we can get the fees lower and lower. And of course, we want to speed up turnaround time. When you're investing in technology, it's one thing to lower costs. But if the trade-off is that you're extending your turnaround time, you're not really lowering the cost to the, to the submitter. The submitter often over an extended period of time for grading loses and sees a, a lower value in the card because seasons change, a person's injured, a player's injured. So the fast turnaround time is important uh, to keeping overall costs low. We want to increase our capacity and uh, technology is an answer for us. Uh, once we have the software and we have the equipment, which we have now, there's a great benefit. I mean, straight bottom line benefit when you can speed up the process. So we'll continue to be investing in technology, not to change that no scoring changes, no algorithm changes, no attribute changes, no roll up changes, that everything will be the same. But we are aware that there are ways to keep refining uh, that technology to make it operate more efficiently and faster. Um, we want to use our technology to create growth in the marketplace. So when you have technology and you can do things and you can lower cost, you ought to be able to appeal to people who otherwise are not in the industry. It could be because of that cost or because they've, lacked, they've lost confidence in maybe the traditional ways that things are done. So we want to reach out to those people and bring them into the industry, as well as reach out to younger people who are very familiar with technology and its capability. They're not intimidated by it. Many are not in the industry. They don't see anything that we're doing as a change. Uh, it's kind of like my son, God bless him, if he happens to be listening. Uh, there's probably 50 times where I call him and I, I say, how do I do this? You know, it's a new phone, new whatever. And without looking at anything, he just says, do this. I, how do you know that? It, it's a different generation and there's an instinctive awareness of technology and its benefits. So we want to bring those people into the industry. And in doing that, number five, we want to increase demand for cards, bring more people into the industry and have more people interested in collecting and you're going to increase demand. And when you uh, increase demand, number six, you increase the value of cards. So you have a supply and demand equation. We want to appeal to the buy side. We want to give them a product that, that they can rely on and pay more for because they don't need a discount for risk of counterfeit and, and other things. And, um, we want that that comfort level to help the secondary market support increased values. So those are the reasons why we're doing what we're doing. Now I'll, I'll kind of get into what we're going to do with the $10 million. Um, 
one of more than one a couple few people commented in episode four that they they thought there would be more technology and and when i spoke with some of them afterwards they thought that there were going to be conveyor belts and and things that actually traverse the card from station to station and uh that is a tech technological change that is in our plans uh, that is not a grading technology that is a uh, an industrial engineer that that you know consultants that come in and they develop that process it doesn't require equipment it requires conveyors and and timing mechanisms uh, it's, it's not hard to do but we will be doing that we're already in the preliminary discussions of doing it um, when you do something like that um, and you can speed up the process when you can uh, shorten the time between receiving and QA with the OMS and sending it to image capture and image capture and QAing and going to the printer and the printer QAing and going to um, uh, welding and the welding QA go to, to shipping and you can have automated uh, travel and automated deionization and, and cleaning of the, uh, um, the slabs, you can speed up the process. And when you speed up the process, you get um, more more cards slabbed per hour, per labor hour, per FTE, a full-time equivalent employee, per dollar of labor, however you want to measure it, uh, uh, how many cards you grade per square foot. Uh, so you become more efficient and you lower your costs. So that's the first thing we want to do with technology. And that's consistent with speeding up the process in addition to speeding up the technology that, that is the technical, technical side of the process. Um, we also want to uh, change the and reconfigure the grading pod. And what we have found out is that um, it is possible for us. Um, uh, we have worked with some companies that have um, given us the, the, this information, these ideas. So this is, this is not a tag original. This is something that we've learned. Uh, our pods are horizontal pods, as you recall. They run and take up about 250 square feet. And so uh, we now understand that we can do the, the, the image, everything through image capture and quality, quality assurance. And we can have a, a conveyor belt that traverses the card through that. And then we can have a vertical conveyor belt that the horizontal conveyor belt lays the cards in and they go up to the second above station. Uh, 12 feet or so off the ground. And over that, you have the uh, the printer and the welder. And from there, you have a conveyor that goes to shipping and QA. And that would cut down our square footage to 125 feet uh, for the grading pod. And that would lower our fixed cost. So the other technology advancements would lower our variable cost. Uh, this kind of uh, industrial engineering design enhancements would lower our fixed cost. Um, we, uh, uh, we, are, we have a lot of, uh, other technology that we would like, well, we, we, I, I don't want people to expect these things, but they're very realistic in our minds. Uh, our pods can be made smaller and considerably smaller. Uh, we know that. And. Uh, by investing money in them, it's, uh, the software fits into a, a, a chip. The, the, it's the equipment that takes space. 
And there, there's been advancements in equipment and continues to be, and we can do it in smaller space today. So we have envisioned quite a few years ago, a tag on wheels and tag on wheels will be a mobile uh, a tag pod that will travel around. It will go to shows. You might see this, this large vehicle pull right into the uh, national, not this year. Uh, it'll have one, one side will be glass. You will be able to stand there, see your grading. Uh, the grading would be videotaped. You'd be able to get the video of the grading. It would go to all kinds of events. Later, I'm going to talk about um, a, um, a committee I would like to see form someday uh, and its reach. But the tag mobile could go anywhere. It could go to a Super Bowl, NBA playoffs the Stanley Cup, wherever it could go to high schools. And the idea of, of the mobile is to assist further in bringing technology to the market. And um, we're going to have grading pods. Uh, our pods are, are, our remote pods are pretty, pretty sound concept. It, it's not here now, but if we, if we wanted to pursue that immediately, we could. Uh, I would say the only technical challenge that remains for that is all the grading, of course, would be done here. What would be done remotely is the image capture, the um, um, uh, printer and um, for the slab and the welding. And we need software that will confirm for us that the card that's being put into the slab and being welded is the card that we graded. And we already know it can be done. We, we know how to do it, but we don't have that software right now. And that would need to be developed. And then we could do remote pods. We have to decide if we want to do the remote pods horizontally. But also, as we speak of the future, we envision uh, a future tag system that's a vertical system like an ATM machine. We have had discussions with people who are experts in miniature, miniaturization. Uh, for downsizing technology, technology platforms. And uh, we're led to believe that if we're willing to spend the money and make a commitment, uh, we can build an ATM type grading machine. We're not certain how far underground it might go. It could be three feet, could be five feet, because we want to make sure it's no more than five feet above the ground. And it would have a, a card slot with a card holder and it would have a credit card and machinery inside would remove the card from the holder. Um, we're talking about different techniques for doing that. There are many available, actually. And then the card would be uh, transferred down to um, uh, image capture. And from image capture, that, that the, the printer would be on the bottom. And as soon as image capture identifies the card and scores it, which is as little as 15 seconds, uh, the printer would start printing the slab. The slab would be picked up by arms, brought up above. It would be deionized and cleaned. The card would come down. It would be placed. It could be it can be placed precisely within microns of, of, better than a human being could, and more safely than a human being can do it and it's done with suction cups and you set the card on and the suction stops and, the, uh, and then the, the, the slab is welded so we know this can be done and uh, it, it's it's not a difficult concept but it's expensive so part of that 10 million dollars uh, will be to further that and do it quickly we want to be in shopping centers we want to be everywhere and we want to make it so easy for people to uh to get cards graded um i think that's it really the remote pods the tag on wheels reducing labor reducing fixed expense uh, switching to vertical um 
that's kind of the technology things we see in the future. There's not much to do with quote degrading system, except yeah. make it faster. It's more the efficiency of the overall process and uh, and yeah. being able to go remote. So, well, thanks, thanks uh, for that. Our system is like the first laptop. <laughs> you know, you could see more power in a phone today, faster and more power in an iPhone than than your first laptop. And, you know, all due respect, I think we're entitled to for having developed the first quote laptop version, but it's not the end all and it, it, it will be uh, much, much uh, more efficient. But you're just talking about the the process, not the grading. So I think I think it's important to also yeah. just underscore that with the, the grading system won't change as the process equipment or the co process technology evolves. The grading system is the grading system and technology is set. Yeah, I met with uh, a guy this week, um, um, private equity. They own a, a, a company that assembles a product that's a universally recognized product. And uh, it's entirely automated, including the packaging. And he was telling me that there were over 200 screws that go into this product that are done automatically you, the naked eye, you'd hardly be able to see the screw. And yet they're there and they're, and they're all done and, and they're quality assured tested, uh, each one. It's an amazing thing that, that technology can do. No doubt. No doubt. I'm going to go to a couple of comments and then we're going to, we're going to talk about a little bit of clarification on the image capture machine. But first, a couple of comments here. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show says I've never had any cards graded, but ready to start submitting with tag. And I'm hearing a lot of people, uh, with those exact sentiments who just don't like the current grading environment and are, have been waiting for years, many people for automated and consistent grading. So I think, uh, I think Mike, thanks for your comment. And I think that you uh, reflect that, that of those comments of many others as well. Uh, and then Bink Scott says, Jeremy, we all know how hard it is to break into third-party grading. Will TAG be prepared to be in the fifth chair for a few years? Or if they can't take over the hobby, will they drop out? To which someone from TAG responded, says, we're in it for the long haul. Um, and then I, before before I, I move on from that, I, there's another Wait, comment. That, can I answer I, that one? Well, yeah, go ahead, Steve. There's another comment that ties into it, but sure, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, please. Okay, the, the other one is from Vintage Card Collector who says, the biggest unknown to me is how the market will accept the slabs and ultimately how will resale value compared to the others. CSG is well-funded, but values are a fraction of PSA. And before Steve goes, I just, wanna, I just wanna make a comment just from my opinion is that CSG is one of the four, what I call major manual grading companies, whereas TAG is the first and only true automated grading company. So I think that we have to, look at manual grading and automated grading a little bit different but i do understand that at the end of the day a lot of people care about the value of their cards and and that alone and uh with that steve i'll let you uh jump in um i think that's a very bona fide comment uh, question and uh one that that uh, should be responded to um first i want to say I don't, I don't think at all about quote, being a disruptor in the marketplace. Don't want to be, it's never been my, my vision, my dream, my passion. 
what I'd like to do is see the industry grow from 15 million cards to 30 million cards and everybody keep the 15 that they have and we get the 15 new ones. That, that would be a vision. I'm not trying to take business from anybody. I'm not trying to question the validity of the values associated with anybody else's um, uh, slabs. Um, we're doing something that I think in part is designed to not only make the market larger and increase the demand for cards, but it's to give the buyer more information. And I might be the only person on earth that believes this. I doubt it. But I think educating the buyer, if you have something of value to give to the buyer, educating the buyer it works to your favor. If you don't have something to give a value to a buyer, keep quiet and, and keep on marching to the beat of your drummer. And so if, if we're disrupting anything, it's the, the information path, the amount, the quality and quantity of information that we're giving to the buy side. I'm not trying to disrupt the grading side at all. And uh, I think that we'll be successful at producing uh, a lot of information that doesn't exist today that should be, should be a component of value. And uh, I can't tell anybody it will be. Uh, there are very few industries I know of where the best uh, or most informative buyers don't pay more money uh, for getting the product that they know that, or believe satisfies their needs, given the information they have. I, I don't know of one. So um, you can dupe, dupe people for a while, but eventually uh, there's an efficient market out there. And the efficient market theory has been around for hundreds of years. And uh, it's been proven over and over and over again to be uh, a true indicator of value and satisfying need. So uh, I'm not going to defend what we're doing. I'm not going to in any way support the image that we're disruptors. There's no, no, no need for us to be. And uh, I don't want to be. Okay, good. Uh, let's move on then to the image capture machine. Again, there were some comments that came from episode four um, that it just seemed that the image capture machine machine just seemed like a high-end scanner. Um, can you address those comments, Steve? Yeah, um, actually, uh, I think you mentioned that to me uh, previously. Um, I'm kind of surprised at that comment, but... Um, uh, well, let me just say we, that during the during episode four, when we did the tour, we didn't get in really close to the image capture machine. And, you know, there was good reason for that. So maybe address that. Why okay. didn't we get right in there and show the inside of it so people could have seen it's not a scanner per se, uh, and then just maybe describe a bit more about it. Okay. Um, the reason why uh, we, we didn't allow and won't allow video of what's inside is because it's a lot of proprietary technology that we've spent a lot of money and a lot of time on. So let me try and, and um, who the person who asked the question, did you say his name was Mike? Uh, no, I didn't say whose name oh. it was. Okay. So whoever it was that asked the question about, is it a scanner? Uh, we don't have a scanner bed there at all. Uh, we have a, a high resolution camera and, and the camera is mounted in a way that took a lot of time to figure out how to mount it to, to capture what we wanted. 
we have a light configuration um, and the light configuration if, if you if you understand that the camera and camera lens is at x point you have to figure out what elevation you're going to have for your lighting if you go too high you're going to get a reflection from the camera lens itself. Uh, and the, even if that refraction is outside the surface of the card, it will bounce and refract off of the interior walls and floor nest of the card. And it will ultimately at very high resolution create some impact on a card. So understanding um, the elevation of lighting is important. Understanding the intensity the brightness, the, the, what type of lighting you're using, we have to do a lot of testing. Understanding the configuration of the lighting, whether the lighting is a 360 degree circle, whether it's an oval, whether it's in a rectangular shape in, in dimensions that, are, that correlate to the rectangular image of the card. Uh, all of those are things that are tested and tested and tested and time and time and money and money to do. Then you have to know what angle the lights are at and you have to know whether or not all of the lights are at the same angle is the uh, is the the vertical uh side top to bottom of a card does that take a different uh, angulation of, of the lighting uh, than the sides and you have to determine how that lighting is going to be uh, sent and received and then lastly you have to determine how many lights do you use so uh, if you use too much lighting, uh, the refraction off the lighting is caught within that multiple image capture that you need to get a 3D image. And image two, three, and four have, have the remnants of, of uh, lighting that distorts the image. If you do too little, you don't capture all of the defects. And so you have to figure out how many lights. And then you also have to figure out, do they all flash at once? Do sides flash and then top and bottom flash? Uh, do you have 200 lights total? Do you have 1,200 lights total? Do they randomly flash instantaneously? So you have 35 lights on the side and 52 lights on the top. And so it's not a scanner. I mean, it's so far from the scanner. And I will go on record as saying uh, a scanner cannot work, period, cannot work. And the reason why it can't work is you're going to have a very difficult time getting an accurate, consistent, and reproducible surface defect detection. Uh, first, to understand what type of defect it is uh, from a scanner is difficult. And secondly, the depth of that defect. And so many defects are um, uh, altered by the nature of a scanner and how a scanner captures its image. We use the scanner. As a matter of fact, we've been with four developers, as you know each one for at least 18 months to two years, each one with a different task and going from the proof of concept to the prototype, to the minimum viable product, to the production model, each one reviewing everything else that had been done previously. Um, and we, two of our people, our developers used scanners. We used an Epson scanner and it worked great for certain things. I remember jumping up and down like a little kid. I couldn't believe that, that we could see certain things from that scanner. It's only when you start applying algorithms and scoring and defect detection and defect type that you realize that a scanner, it, it, it can't do it. So I hope I'm answering the question. That what, what we have is a highly sophisticated image capture system um, uh, that is 
totally unrelated to uh, a scanner. Okay. Well, thanks for addressing that. I think it's important to clarify anything that got that might have been misunderstood or misinterpreted or uh, just correct some uh, erroneous uh, comments out there. Yeah. Um, I, think it's our, I think it's largely our fault because when you put so much time into something over that period of time, you lose sight of the fact that you're spending so much time, so much effort, and you see it as just little pieces. And when you get done, you don't realize how complex it was until you're asked the question like this. I'm, when I answered the question, I'm running through all the things that we literally went through as I recall them. That's that's how I'm explaining what's in that. It's just just from what I what I experienced. Okay, sounds good. Um, the next point I have on my agenda is another sort of clarification point on on proof cards, which you spoke to earlier. Um, do you want to speak about proof cards yeah. and uh, building a proof room, that kind of thing? Yeah. If I had a small caliber, I would put it to my head because that was my boo-boo and uh, totally my error. I When I said that, uh, I, I loosely uh, said that a proof card would be where, you know, we would purchase a, a, an unopened case and go through those cards and identify uh, grade of possibly all the cards and identify cards that are uh, important. But look for a proof card and, and if it occurs, a, a proof card being a, a card that has nothing more than an NHOD. If you recall, an NHOD is a non-human observable defect. And uh, so we have a means of identifying what the threshold is. It's highly uh, selective uh, for a proof card and proof cards would be uh, one of ones. So whenever they occur, once they occur, if there were another card that was identified of that same quality, and it's not a quality that could be higher because there, there are no card, no defects on the card that are not NHODs. So the only other card that could ever occur could be a card that's comparable, but it can't be better. Are you with me? Because all that remains are NHODs. They're not graded. So uh, the process for cards that are identified as proof, the system would record that a proof has already been made. And when a second card comes in that might otherwise have been a comparable grade to a proof, that card is not kicked out as a proof. And so it goes through the standard process and is slabbed as a pristine or near proof, uh, and um, uh, and it would be handled as it goes through that process. Um, so it is possible that a, a near proof card could be the same as a proof card, meaning it, it it's only recorded defects are NHODs, but it's not the first and it therefore is not the only uh, uh, of that card. So um, the mistake that I made was in concentrating as I just was on the process for determining a proof card, I referenced that we would buy and we're not buying uh, the cards. Uh, we would never buy our own card and then grade it. As a matter of fact, employees are not allowed to have cards graded. They're not allowed to have relatives cards graded. They have to sign statements that, that they're not affiliated with anybody that's submitting cards. We're, we don't want any conflict of interest. And by the way, I'm probably the person in this office that suffers greatest by that policy because I have some cards that would be valuable cards uh, and I would, I would consider having them graded by uh, tag. So um, 
what I should have said was that we will accept unopened cases, unopened boxes, maybe even unopened packs. We, we see ourselves doing case breaks, live, live grading, and uh, people having the opportunity to have a proof card uh, in, that, in that, that case break. And certainly pristine and near proof and, and gem mints, whatever. But being able to do it with live grading and being able to do it with some of the features uh, that we can provide uh, even if somebody buys the card and decides they want to have it uh, put into a foil wrap or, you know, want to customize it and make it unique. So proof card, it's, it's always going to be unopened. It'll be at least cases and boxes, <clears throat> but it will be cards that are submitted by third parties, not cards that we purchase. Okay. No, that's good clarification right there. We actually sure. had an offer to partner uh, with somebody on... Um, uh, that kind of situation. We don't want to have <clears throat> any equity interest <clears throat> in the grade of the card. So we will charge people up front what we want to charge for the cost of having that case break and, and um, you know, the hunt for, for uh, the high quality premium, ultra premium proof, near proof cards. Uh, but if, we, if they find it, they own it, period. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for that clarification. Um, I'm going to go to a couple comments here. Uh, and, you know, if, as, as always, some of them, uh, you know, they are to come to, to Scott Nobles here. Um, Steve will be addressing Canadian submissions uh, a little bit later. Uh, Nikola Tesla says, I trust it. I'm ready to send in cards. I would suggest keep prices low, then go to known card dealers, give them a deal. Then you can work outward from there. That would be my model. Uh, Nikola Tesla is offering some business advice here, Steve. Um, and, uh, I have a feeling that you've thought through this sort of, uh, you know, how, how this all plays out Any yeah. comments? Uh, I, I do. And we have spent a lot of time, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, <clears throat> last night, we pretty much finalized our pricing. It was as late as last night. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, one of the issues in setting a price is it's kind of inconsistent. It, it can be perceived by the market as being inconsistent to say you do all of these things and you, you represent that they all equal accuracy, consistency, transparency to a degree that does not otherwise exist in the industry. So again, you notice I'm avoiding better. Uh, I'm avoiding some, saying somebody else does less. I'm just saying we we represent that we're bringing accuracy consistency and reproducibility to the industry in a way that may not exist you the submitter you make that decision and we're also representing that we're giving more information and we're giving custom supplies and we're paying for supply shipping two ways to and from um, that we've developed, we're paying twice as much, much for slabs because we think that we're using better materials and better design. We think the consumer has to decide, but putting everything together and saying that we have intended to create a very high quality brand image and support it with very high quality, non-compromised technology, and then go out and say, we're going to grade your cards for, for such a low price. We're concerned that the market turns around <clears throat> and doesn't say, wow, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. What they say is it can't be as good as they say if they have to buy the market by, by giving that price. 
So we don't want to buy market share. What we want to do is we want to give the market a very good deal, a very high quality product, and we want to we want to earn the trust and respect of the of the industry by giving them the same. So yes, we did think a lot about um, lowering the price. We do believe, just philosophically, that as we bring up more and more technology, as we expand the market, as we become more efficient, as we grow our capacity, grow our volume, uh, we do contemplate that we will continue to, to lower the, the, the cost of rating. So uh, we're not envisioning at any time taking the opportunity to say the market loves what we're doing, let's charge them more. Or we have a backlog, let's shut down submissions. Our backlog, we just took on our launch 250,000 cards. The next month we had 300,000 cards. Let's shut it down and, and we'll do it by raising our fees fivefold. We're not, we're not, we're not doing that. Okay. Um, it's, I, a I, I, it's a very good question. Yeah. And that now with that, there's some people guessing what the pricing is going to be. So I'm just going to flash these and we'll, you'll reveal pricing a little bit later, but Bink Scott is guessing $30. True Story is guessing $75. Lucky K is guessing $25. And Nikola Tesla says, so having a card slab by tag costs 500 bucks. I don't know where you got that from Nikola Tesla, but... Uh, no, but, but but Nicholas is right. It would be worth 500. Oh, there you go. There you go. Okay. And here we go. Michael Ham says, and welcome. Good to see you, Michael. I hope to see you at the national in a few weeks says, I would love to grade a card with tag. I think they are on the cutting edge of grading. My only concern is if gr the grading is very difficult to get a 10, for example, CSG. Do you want to discuss the grading standards at all, Steve? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, We've gone out of our way to say, geez, several times throughout the reveal, our grading system is it matches the industry standards and expected grades. We're not altering that. So if you'll give us a reasonable amount of time to accept and grade some cards, and it doesn't take long, um, 90 days, look at our pop report and compare it to any of the other companies pop report and you should see fairly comparable percentages of, of cards by grade. Um, you will see that as soon as you have a statistically valid sample, because we're built to mirror that. We're built to mirror the existing grading standards. The only difference is on any given card, uh, we will be consistent in the grade that we apply, as opposed to what may be a situation where on any given card, there's a range of grades that you could get manually and you may have to resubmit it two, three, four times to get uh, the grade that, that you feel is appropriate. Uh, I, you'll be talking to me, I guess, about resubmissions or have we already covered that sufficiently from uh, previously? Uh, it's not on the agenda tonight. Anyone will be able to go to our website uh, after convention the first week of August. We will be putting a lot of our uh, subject content that we've dealt with in the reveal on making it available on the website, but it's clear and you will see, we won't go into it. Our resubmission policy is designed to not penalize a person who without knowledge buys a card raw that had been previously graded and there's no way for them to know, but we're also not rewarding somebody for 
continuing to resubmit cards and creating an incentive for them to do it, thinking they can get a better grade. So um, we'll go on. I don't want to get too far sure. off the course here. Sounds but here, here's a question from Fowl Fieball, more about the image capture. Does Tag use multiple cameras to look at cards in stereo? I won't answer that. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I will say that we do uh, examine the card, and I don't know that stereo is the exact term. It, 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 no, but we do look at cards in, in I thought it's called stereoscopic. I don't know the terminology, but we, it, it, it's not just a s simple snapshot, but I don't want to talk about more about the image capture. I hope they respect the fact we just have a lot invested in how we do it. I think that's more than fair, Steve. Uh, Canada Blue says price depends on turnaround time, which I think is a is a good is an astute point. Um, and oh, just lost my here we go. Uh, some more guesses coming in. Let's uh, let's now, Steve, go on to the next item on the agenda that I have here, which is you and you alluded to it uh, in your preamble, I believe, was an industry association or something like that, that you would like to see created for our hobby. Um, what, what's your, what's your vision there? Um, first, I would like to say that this is something that I personally believe in and tag need not be involved. So I want to make sure everybody understands this does not in any way, uh, create any opportunity uh, for tag that that would not exist for every other industry participant. And when I say industry participant, I believe that people from the following groups uh, should be involved in this manufacturers and uh, grading companies and auction houses and marketplaces and uh, distributors and fractional share companies and collectors and show promoters and content creators and breakers and group submitters, equipment companies, tech companies. I, I think just let yourself envision the entire collectibles industry and, and see all of the participants in that industry. And I think that we should have an association of uh, those people and with, with the clout that this industry has, the leadership that this industry has. And I define that leadership as highly successful business people, people with enormous financial resource. Um, the, the ability of those people to um, uh, be pres ever present in front of people, social media and, and influence and offer advice and opinion uh, is extremely valuable. And I also would say that those same people are some of the, for the most part, almost universally, some of the greatest contributors to the betterment of mankind that exist. And all too often, in my opinion, they don't get proper recognition for all that they do outside of their known business. So that group of people, I believe uh, that we should all have an association and uh, I call it ACE just, just for illustrative purposes and uh, you know, the association of collecting enthusiasts and people who benefit from the industry. And I think that association should have a, a policy committee and that policy committee should have a member from each of the groups or, or two members and 
policy should only be able to be made uh, with unanimity in the policy agreement that every member uh, on that committee from each industry should have a veto so that what might be an advantageous financial situation for one and is a detriment to the other. I want it to be a non-political, uh, non what's best for me type of situation. And I think that association can work for the betterment of the industry. For example, uh, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. Uh, there is no reason for counterfeiting. There's no reason for the ability to counterfeiting to exist in this industry. Absolutely no reason. And the reason why counterfeiting exists in this industry, aside from, of course, the fact that there are evil, nefarious, greedy people who, who are willing to take advantage of people who don't have knowledge. There you go back again to the concept of giving the buyer information. But they capitalize where that information doesn't exist. And we in the industry spend our time trying to figure out, is that card a counterfeit? And I believe that's the wrong approach because the counterfeiter will always have a leg up. Their technology will always advance and we'll always be tracking that technology by what we come to know as a known counterfeit, as opposed to getting out in front of it to preventing the counterfeit. So I believe that the, the solution to the counterfeit problem is looking in the other direction. It's not to identify a counterfeit card. It's to be able to determine that a card is a genuine card. And that's so easy to do because the manufacturer's facilities are very secure. Counterfeiters are not going to get in there to run five counterfeit cards. And uh, what we've done just just to I never I didn't tell anybody this previously, but I'll give a little insight. I said we had done some work on counterfeit detection. We're continuing to. So one of the things that we've done is um, We've spent time, I don't know if other grading companies have done this. I'll tell you a story in a second. I don't know if other grading companies have done this, but we have spent a lot of effort, not so much money, a lot of effort, manpower, senior management, figuring out how to deconstruct a card to every single component of the card which we do now, we know how to do it. And we identify and we see every layer in the card. And we talk to people that are collectors and we ask them how they think a card is made, how many layers they think, how they think the printing process works. I've yet to encounter a person who actually knows. And I will tell you sitting here, we know. We not only know that process, but we also have now identified the source of two of the components. We, there are five. We, for the most part, uh, we know that they all use the same one for the third, uh, and we're now working on four and five. And um, uh, when you have that information, boy, does that make counterfeiting dangerous. And so what we want is we want the manufacturer within those layers, and we think we know where and how, to make a, put a mark inside the card that can be seen by people who have the right kind of light, the right kind of, whether it be infrared, black light, uh, some kind of, of, of uh, electronic light, whatever. Um, you can determine that that card was an originally manufactured card. And it could also be done with other things that uh, it might be something that um, given a certain um, input can emanate a sound back. It might be something that, uh, uh, it, it has a communication capability. It depends on, on how advanced you want to be, but a single non-sophisticated 
unique mark that can't be seen. It's, it's unobservable from the surface of the card, but it's detectable as being within the card, uh, I think is a better way to go. And I think we as an industry uh, can tell the manufacturers that uh, this is something that they need to do. I think the manufacturers would agree to do it. Uh, the cost is insignificant. I think they would agree to do it with a little lead time. But I think that the pressure from the industry would, would be most telling uh, with respect to whether or not manufacturers are in favor or, or indifferent toward the counterfeiting of their product. And I don't think they want to make that statement. I also think there are companies out there that appear to be very advanced, very sophisticated, very successful, very committed to doing it the right way. I'm going to mention one by name, just fanatics. I can't imagine that that fanatics would not want to see whether it affects their business or not. Just the principle of, of counterfeiting being part of the hobby and people in the hobby being ripped off by not knowing that they're getting a counterfeit card. I don't think that fits their brand image. And I think all of us, and I'll say every grading company that's out there, including PSA, FGC, Beckett, ourselves, I'll say the auction houses, whether it be Heritage or Golden or whoever, eBay, eBay. There's no way that eBay is excited about having counterfeits uh, in the marketplace. And we can all get together and it's so simple. Let's eliminate counterfeits from the market. So I see that this association as being one that can set policy for the betterment of the industry. Each, each policy member has a veto right. They can never be hurt they, if, if they don't wanna agree with something. But I do think the public should be made aware of each issue that's brought to the committee and how each person, person votes on that issue. And um, uh, I think it's a certain level of accountability, a certain level of transparency, but most of all, it is a level that we as an industry, each participant in the industry, agrees that certain things are unsavory, they're unacceptable, and we're not going to allow it to happen, period. So that's, that's what I think is, is something that we can do collectively that does not benefit anybody in the industry more than anybody else. Um, except the unknowing consumer. They're, they're hurt badly by not doing this. One one thing I'd like to ask you to clarify, eliminating counterfeits, I is it correct for me to assume that when you say that you mean like moving forward because there are several counterfeits in the, in the oh, state yeah. already? Yeah. No, what's out there uh, is out there. You know, God, I love that, that uh, question and comment. All due respect intended to anybody who has made this comment, the comment being, we're getting better at detecting counterfeits. I've heard that from a lot of, a lot of places. My question is, how can we possibly know we're getting better at detecting counterfeits? How's it possible? If you don't know the counterfeit exists, how do you know how many of them there are? If you're not disclosing which, how, what your rate of counterfeit ID is and whether it's going up or down so that it can be compared in the market to the known counterfeits, I, you, it, it's impossible. TAG, and I have the utmost confidence in TAG, I don't think you'll ever hear TAG say that we're getting better at detecting counterfeits. The only thing you'll ever hear us say is we're doing the best we can. How do I know how many counterfeit cards have been made if I haven't been able to ID them? So uh, we can fix this. It, 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 it's really not even much of a challenge. It's just nobody has ever said collectively to everyone out there, I'm begging everybody, every participant in the industry, I'm literally begging you, 
let's just fix this problem. Why, why not? There's a 163-year-old hobby. Let's preserve it. Let's, I mean, we're damaging that hobby and we don't know to what degree. Someday there's going to be an enormous scandal in this, ho in this hobby and we have to get ahead of that curve. Someday there's going to be enough fraud in the hobby that federal regulators are going to come into this hobby and look at a card as though it were. That card is um, a, 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 a 22 tops regular card number 16, player number so-and-so. That's what you bought, that data when you bought that card. The card itself is a security. It's like buying an issue of, of shares in a company and they, they send you a certificate and that certificate is the security, uh, the, the visible security of that data. You get the number of shares, the name of the company, the date, the corporate signatures. That data exists elsewhere. Transfer agents have that data. Companies have that data. We get that certificate because that's our, it's a security. And cards are becoming more and more akin to security. And we have to stop fraud. We have to stop uh, pandering to, to uh, powerful people who are influencing the industry in directions that may not be in the best interest, the long-term interest of the industry, and they're doing it for short-term gain. We, we can stop this, everybody. And there's nobody out there, by the way, in my opinion, nobody out there, I'll, I'll literally name the biggest companies. There's not a person out there that would not agree with what I'm saying, that it would be better to take counterfeits out of the market. And uh, the only thing they could object to is that I'm the person who said it. You can't possibly disagree and say counterfeits are good for the, for the sports card trading industry. So let's forget about who's doing what. TAG will be out of this. I'm not asking that we be on the policy committee. I'm not asking that we be treated in a special way. In fact, we have filed for patents that include various patent claims that may interfere with the manufacturer's ability to put a mark in those layers. I would be willing to make those patents available to the manufacturers to, to further this. I don't, I, I'm not looking to make money. TAG's not looking to make money. I said in episode number one, we are committed to doing what's in the best interest of the hobby. This is proof positive. We're willing to do something. Help us. Okay. No, I appreciate, I appreciate all, all that. Um, are we good for, to, to move along? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go to some, some more comments uh, that have been coming in. Um, Hockey cards up says, what will your capacity be? How many cards can you grade per month? And my question is, is this something you're willing to speak about tonight? Um, no, we won't give out uh, that information, but I will say that, if this individual would like to enter into a uh, a submitter agreement with us, uh, let him let him get in touch with me and tell me he wants to submit 20, 30, 40, 50,000 cards a month. Um, and he'll find out whether or not we're able to handle it. Okay. Let's keep going. For, if you're, if you're submitting 10, 50, a hundred cards a month, I don't really feel there's any reason for you to have, any benefit for you to have what our capacity is. I yeah. I think some people might just be curious as to how fast the tag slabs will enter into the secondary market. Maybe I'll, that's, a I can answer there. that. I can answer that. Uh, I, uh, I would expect that uh, the first tag slabs would be in the secondary market 
a week after the first cards are submitted for grading because we're not going to hold any cards we're going to be grading cards we're grading cards now and we're going to but we're not letting those cards go into the secondary market the agreement we have with the people who sent those cards eight months ago is that they can't put the cards in the secondary market we have a right to to involve ourselves in the quantity and the and the decision of the cards before they do it um, and we're only doing that to protect all the people that come in as third-party submitters now um, so uh, it will be turning around cards quickly and they'll be going right back out we're not going to hold them until if you buy a if you buy a, a 30 days service and we get the card graded in two days, you're going to get it back. Okay. Uh, well, and he does say, thanks, Stephen. Yes, Jeremy, you got where I was going with it. So good. I'm glad that I was able to do that. Hockey cards up. Uh, next comment, I want to go to Aaron Salazar says, never been a grader, but this product fascinates me. Interested in a product that would be a consistent grade and not be able to crack and regrade with different results. That's a response to the resub uh, points that Steve made earlier. A uh, quick good evening to you, Casey Bushmeyer. David Kahana says to Steve, what about detection? We've been talking about counterfeit, Steve. He says, what about detection of altered and trimmed cards in relation to outright, outright counterfeits, to which Chris C adds, counterfeits aren't the only issue. Can tag detect trimmed and altered cards? Um, good question. Um, in most instances, yes. Certainly if it's a card that we've already graded, yes. If it's a card that has standardized features that are um, impacted or altered by the alteration of the card yes if it's a card that um, uh, has an edge that in an extremely refined uh, way is slightly different than another edge uh, or two edges that are slightly different uh, yes um, but is it possible to trim a card and do so in a way that's uh, non-detectable? I think it's possible. I, I think we're real good at, at detecting it. Um, I know when we were dealing with this issue, somebody told me on vintage cards that there was somebody out there, I don't know if it's true, that had actually bought original stock and the original cutters that were used in the era for the cards that they that that whatever i'm not saying they were counterfeiting or making them but that equipment paper stock and and cutting instruments that existed in a prior era are in the public's hands i i've been told um so Today they're getting, you know, as you move away from paper and get closer to plastic, uh, it, it becomes increasingly difficult. But a lot of the ways that you can tell is by looking at a series of cards and identifying common characteristics, which virtually every series has at the level we look. And when you see that that common characteristic has moved slightly, becoming closer or further away from an edge, uh, you can determine that something's been done. Okay. So, yeah, that's I think one that's of the things I have to say we do as well as we can, but I can't tell somebody that I can, I can tell you with certainty that no trim card will ever get through our doors. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think there's a grading company out there that, that can do it. And there's ample 
uh, ample evidence of, of that out there in the public domain. So um, I think you're, I, I just, and as, as David Kahana says here, I appreciate your honesty as I do too. Uh, I will say you can't get a resubmitted trim card through our door. That's a good, that's a benefit for okay. sure. Okay. A uh, couple of questions that we've addressed in, in prior episodes. I'll just kind of uh, run through them. James wants to know any type of car, any cards tag won't grade right away. Um, yeah, there's several James and those will be added as time goes by. I think at, at, at launch, they're going to be accepting 35 and 55 point cards from 2000 forward. Uh, Thomas Peterson. Yes, Thomas, we did a whole episode on the population or about half an episode on the population report. And it's, in my opinion, as a lifelong collector, it's, it's, uh, it, once it's populated, it's going to be the, the best population report out there. It's, it's quite amazing actually. Um, okay, Steve, let's, uh, let's keep going here. I know people are waiting to hear about pricing and launch date and all that, but there are a couple of other things that, uh, that we want to chat about here. International expansion is one of them. You've already talked about remote grading pods and, and all that, but uh, why don't you talk a little bit about international expansion and your thoughts on that? If there's, again, if there's anything that we haven't discussed yet and there might there might not be anything left, I'll leave it to you. Uh, international expansion is very much part of our business plan. Um, uh, it's a very uh, prime segment of the, of the market that uh, is available that has great opportunity. We met with a major uh, manufacturer, uh, and in the course of the conversation, they told us that uh, there's more soccer cards produced in a World Cup soccer year than all the sports cards produced in the other three years. <laughs> and um, those cards are, are, I would guess, largely distributed outside the United States and they a very small percentage of the cards come back to the United States, you know, through through group submitters. It's hard to, to send a couple of cards across the Atlantic and sure it and get them back <clears throat> with the right value. Um, <clears throat> and so other grading companies that also look at the international market and uh, they see that there's opportunity there. Uh, I think that there's, the markets are so large, uh, there's opportunity for many grading companies in those markets. We want to do it with grading pods. We want to do it, uh, what we think is going to be a very efficient, uh, way to do it. We have, I, I can't even go into how much contact we've had from international, um, uh, sources, uh, be they people who are real estate magnets, people who are private equity, hardware tech, uh, who want to either acquire the rights to our technology. They want to license our technology. They want an exclusive for a certain territory, a certain country. Uh, I don't think that, that our challenge will be that part of the equation. Uh, we have to get, uh, the ability to assure ourselves and assure the public that the card in this lab is the card we graded. It's not that difficult to do, but we need the software to do it. Okay. That, so you're good on international? Yeah, we're it, it's part of our plan and uh, it's going to happen closer, sooner than later. Okay, good, good. Um, I think the first thing we're going to do is the, the, uh, the gaming cards and uh, 
we're going to introduce those. We're going to, uh, I think, do that quickly. You know, our technology is very relevant to grading those cards. Uh, it's not much that we need to do. So we're going to do that uh, soon. And at the same time, uh, with this capital that we're going to raise in the fourth quarter, we will be developing the, uh, the grading pods ASAP. Uh, I want to, I'd like to triple, quadruple. Uh, the money that we're spending on technology and, and direct it towards um, those pods. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Wiss collectible says I contacted Steven an email about this, but any thoughts on contacting eBay about potential challenges, searching, selling platforms for tag cards. I basically, he's saying I basically foresee many laundry tag raw cards, etc. in the results. And my advice to you is collectibles, as far as laundry tags would be to just put them, you know, after, after if you're searching for only tag cards, you search tag, and then maybe you do, a, you do a minus sign, and then right after that, you put laundry, and that will eliminate any laundry tag cards where it says laundry tag in the, en in the entry, and that'll, that'll get you uh, around that issue. But I, I understand, Wiz, that there's more, uh, potentially more uh, undesired search results coming. But uh, that'll definitely get you out of the laundry tag one. Um, so take, uh -huh. take that, uh, take that one with you. And we need a little time to deal with these kinds of issues. We're we're spending all of our time right now on the reveal, the planning. Uh, we've got financial people that are asking for information and talking to us, and uh, we're we're doing Zoom meetings. We're having people here that are that are taking up management time when they come here. We wish they would just come. We would spend an hour showing things and they'd leave, but they don't. They come here. I mean, they're here the whole day. It's hard to get rid of the people. Yeah. So um, uh, we can't do everything. <clears throat> We're doing as much as we can. But the issue that um, you call him with, to me, he's whiskey. And uh, uh, the, the whiskey is a good question, and we're working on it. Uh, we're, we want to contact eBay directly. We want to uh, have some discussions with them. We have some other very large uh, relationships that uh, are working in our favor. So we just need a little bit of time to to uh, work our way through that. But yes, we, we need to do some things to help that process. Okay, well, good. It's good to have awareness of that and to be open to discussing these things with other uh, strategic type of partners or just alliances, I guess, is even a better way to, to put it for that. Let's get into pricing. I mean, this is the thing that one thing that everyone's people have been guessing throughout the episode, what the pricing is going to come in at. Steve, are you ready now to discuss the pricing, the pricing uh, model? No. Yeah, you better be. No, there's one more thing that I would like to talk about. Um, sure. Which is um, I met with the uh, CEO of the City of Hope. Uh, the City of Hope is a national cancer center. It's uh, 110 years old. Um, never a hint of, of uh, anything improper. And uh, it has had remarkable success at developing the technologies that have led to the most common used uh, and technologies for cancer treatment, as well as other very important uh um, aspects of, of medical science associated with diabetes, human growth hormone, a, a lot of things that are used in a lot of procedures. And um, 
I've been involved with the City of Hope for um, 30, 33 years and uh, 33 years. And um, so I am familiar uh, with how it works and what it does. So the City of Hope is located in Chicago. They have they have medical centers in Chicago, um, um, uh, Atlanta, uh, Arizona, uh, Duarte, um, uh, Irvine. That's new being built now in Five Points. Um, and uh, it's a very large and very highly respected uh, cancer research and treatment center. And I would like for that same organization, ACE, to also commit not only to do what's best for the collectibles hobby industry, but to also do what's best for the world in general. And that that commitment should be to find a cure for cancer. And uh, um, there's nary a person that you know that's an adult who has not had contact with a uh, family member, God forbid, a child, a family member, cousins, aunts, nieces, children, next door neighbors, friends, business associates um, that have not been touched by cancer. And often that touch is not without a lot of pain, emotional pain, physical pain, financial pain. Uh, it is a devastating, uh, can be a devastating situation. So I think that we as an industry, my goodness, you know how many people we have in this industry? Um, when you consider how many collectors there are, hobbyists, people who go to shows, trade, I mean, the social media, the reach of social media, we're, we're, we have people in this industry that talk to millions of people, millions of people. And I'm only suggesting that ACE not only have a commitment to do what's best for themselves, i.e. best for the industry, but that our reach is far greater than that. And when only when you reach for the stars, can you actually grab one? And I think the industry should reach for the star of uh, doing what everyone in the world wants to have done, find a cure for cancer. So um, I talked to the City of Hope under the right circumstances. They would build a sports museum on their campus. Uh, they would have wings available, possibly, where large donors could donate uh, collections. Uh, those who are familiar with, with doing such know that there are uh, economic benefits that, that uh, can, can come from that. Um, I've asked the City of Hope to consider having a touring exhibit uh, from that museum and that that touring exhibit visits inner city communities, it visits cancer hospitals around the country, uh, goes to pediatric cancer wings, uh, I've uh, asked that they support lectures and, and seminars for women to bring women into the hobby. I mean, what a shame to go to national and look around and you see 8% of the people there are women and, and half of those are there because their husbands are there. And there's a great opportunity here, uh, not only for the industry, but for, for people to introduce people to the wonders, the passions of card collecting. You're doing them a favor. Uh, look back on all of our own lives and how important cards are to us and, and the feeling that we have from this. And so I would like for that association to also commit to uh, finding a cure for cancer and broadening the base of people who are aware and collecting through um, creating a, 
um, a, a sports museum that is solely for the purpose of bringing a smile to people's faces, to educating people about the hobby and the opportunity. And um, um, I wanted to say that before uh, we went on to the what may be more important to other people, but less important to me. Uh, so, um, no, listen. I think I think it's I think it's nice that uh, that you take some time to discuss it. You're passionate about the city of hope. You're passionate about finding a cure for cancer. And some people might be wondering, and I see some people are wondering why you're talking about this on a you know from the aspect of a grading company. But the reason is is because uh, he's passionate about it. Steve is passionate about this, and he wants to see. Uh, not only tag, but the industry give back and work towards something that benefits uh, humanity, not just uh, us collectors. But also, I was—I happened to be listening to uh, an Elon Musk uh, YouTube uh, recently, and he was talking about uh, the inevitability of the failure of, of the populace to survive because of the, the failure to grow the population. And uh, one of the reasons that population doesn't grow is people have less children or two working members in a household much more often now. But another reason is that there are catastrophic illnesses that affect people that take their lives. And uh, uh, so there is a benefit not only to mankind, but as people live and people are, are introduced to the hobby, uh, they will become collectors. They will just because they had cancer when they were young and we reached out to them and saved their lives. It doesn't mean they won't become a collector later on. In fact, when they realized the person who sponsored their their life saving treatment was an association of people who are uh, familiar and affiliated with the card collecting hobby, I can virtually guarantee you they will at least look into finding out who blessed them the way that they were blessed. And you'd be surprised how many people will respond to that. So it's for the hobby as well as for mankind, in my opinion. Anything that's for the betterment of mankind is, is for the betterment of every person, including people who collect cards. That's why I'm mentioning it. Well said. Well said. Thank, I appreciate that. Uh, before we get to pricing, I wanted Thomas Peterson has this question. Cards are graded, scored from 100 to 1,000. What is the highest score for a graded card? by tag so far he says is it a thousand is it 9.99 can you speak to um, that Steve? yeah we don't when when we open the door to when we release slab cards to the market and when we open the door to the population report that question um, would be answered okay thank you all right are you ready now to turn to pricing yes um i actually printed out a uh, sheet here is it okay if i use this, this yeah is, go this ahead is, yeah yeah, it was you know. it was late last night when we actually finalized this, so um, I have to familiarize myself a little. Um, we are going to start out um, slow, and in that regard, we are going to um, take sixty thousand cards uh, the first three months. 10,000 the first month, 20,000 the second month, 30,000 the third month. I'm, I'm, these are numbers that could change slightly. You can't say exactly. We are going to, um, in addition to that, as I have previously disclosed, we have a lot of cards in-house that also need to be graded. So I don't want people to think the only thing we'll be doing are these cards. Um, 
we have we have the other cards that we also uh, will be grading. So for those who ask questions about capacity, our capacity is not this um, even at the start um, because of the that other situation. Um, we're going to offer four different uh, service levels at the start. We're going to offer a, a 14 day a uh, 15 to 30 day, a 30 to 60 day, or 31 to 60, and a 61 to 90 day uh, turnaround time. Uh, the lowest level of card at the 60 day turnaround time uh, for a 200 card submission is $16. And in that $16, we pay the two-way cost of shipping supplies and, and the raw cards back. And we also um, uh, pay for the materials. Uh, included in that supply kit. Um, the highest cost is the 14-day uh, turnaround time for the lowest level, which is 20 cards, and that's $25. Um, included. So let, let me just stop you right there for a sec, Steve, because I think it's important from what I'm hearing is just to like define, we've heard a range now, and I like that you started with the um, the, 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 the most expensive rate for the uh 14 day to the least expensive for the 90 day or 90 day yeah so i think i if I, what i heard is correct the the range of pricing is 16 dollars to 25 dollars is that we're within those bounds yeah okay just want to included in, but included in that are the free supplies and the free two-way shipping we pay for that yeah if you're comparing us to anybody else you need to uh, understand that we're absorbing that cost. Okay. okay. Um, we have, uh, there, there are 17 tranches. There are four that are uh, defined by their turnaround time. And there are five uh, with it, the, the, the 15 to 30 day, the 31 to 60, the 61 to 90, there are five tranches in each one of those three. So that's 15 and there's two tranches in the one to 14 day. So 17 total. And those are uh, 10, 20, 40, 100, and 200 cards. Um, we, we don't, we're only taking cards in this allotment. So if you have um, five cards, don't send them to us. Um, hang on to them until you have 10 or buy the 10 package. We're giving you the right to use that package forever. There's no expiration. So you can buy the 10 package and next month, next year, whatever, add five cards to it and send in the 10. Um, the reason we're doing that is our process is most efficient running. Um, if you recall in episode four, uh, we showed you the printer and the printer, the computer talks to the printer and it sets up every, every flip uh, for, for the slabs and it tells what location and there's 20 uh, at a time. And we're prepared when we're in business other than just these first 90 days while we're testing and debugging the process. We're concerned that if we have a lot of random size orders, what's going to happen is somebody will send in three cards and then we need to make sure that the program that's translating that information to the printer is leaving that space between that order and the beginning of the next order. And we don't want to, to ask our submitters to take the risk that there's a potential for error there 
and we don't want to put more people on quality assurance to make sure that doesn't happen. We want to pass the cost along in what we think is an advantageous cost. So initially, that's why we're taking these fixed number of slots, but we're not penalizing. If you don't have enough cards or you have 17 cards and, and uh, you want to buy a 20, you, you won't lose the 20, the right to submit the 20. But don't submit the 17 and then the three. Wait till you have the 20 and then and do the 20. So we think that was a, a fair way to recognize both the submitter's needs and our needs. Yeah, I have a feeling that you're going to see customers that are just buying up multiple of these um, submission slots, if you will, because uh -huh. they're going to have several several dozens, if not tens and hundreds to uh, to submit. So no, well, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think some people in the some people in the in the chat don't you know don't like uh, you know Jay Wilson says uh, deal breaker until you get group submitters. Uh, do you want to address that? Yeah, the uh, we've already we're already talking to a number of group submitters, and they would be buying like two thousand packages of two hundred cards at sixteen dollars. So group submitters thus far, the ones that we've talked to, they love this deal. Yeah, I'm, and I'm I mean, surprised. Why did why does that person think group submitters wouldn't love this? Oh no, they just said until you have groups, and I think they're just sort of thinking that you know. Um, well, if I want to send in six cards, I, I really can't. So I would send them to a group submitter. But yeah, I'm, you know, as you've told me, you've got, you're talking to group submitters. So I don't think it's going to be a problem for people to combine orders. And let's face it, early on, you're really limiting your intake in order to deliver on your, on your uh, turnaround times. And I think everybody respects that. So if that's going to uh, disincentivize some people from sending in small orders at the beginning until there is a group submitter network set up, um, I think that's okay. Uh, you know, I think that's, I think that's, uh, that, that is what it is. You know, I, I think Jay, Jay Wilson says limited funds for grading one to five at a time. That's fine. Jay Wilson. Um, I think tag will, will, I, I think, I hope tag will have an, uh, an option for you to get those in through a group submitter sort of, uh, system. Yeah, we do. Um, Jay Wilson can buy a 10 card package and, if he's doing one to five at a time, if he means one to five once a year, and that's what his time frame is, that's different. If he means one to five at a time and he does it every two, three, four months, uh, one to five cards, he can buy a 10 card package. He can use it in three months and uh, and get that, that pricing. So uh, that 10 card package for 90 days is $20 a card. Yeah. And as Lucky K has said a couple of times, you know, get friends involved if you need help filling spots. And uh, that's definitely an option out there um, as well. So, um, so, and there was a comment here from uh, Scott Noble says, uh, bring on the Canadian submissions. I'll be waiting in line. We didn't, I forgot to bring that up earlier. Can you speak to uh, the plan for Canadian submissions upon launch? Yes. Um, well, first I want to say we intend to, we respect the Canadian market. You better with, with a lot of with a lot of commitments. I'm glad uh, as a Canadian, I'm glad to hear that. We think that uh, there's great opportunity there, and we also think it's an underserved market and one that may have been abused in certain ways. So um, we will be reaching out to that market. We will either be uh, entering into relationships with uh, Canadians that will be 
group submitters, we, or we will have our own location there where cards can be sent to, um, or we'll have a grading operation there. Uh, we will service the Canadian uh, market. Cards that are being sent to the United States, it doesn't make sense for us or, or the submitter to submit one card or two cards or three cards. So um, our packages will remain the same. Um, we will provide the service, um, but we're not paying for the slabbed cards being shipped back. I don't think anybody in the industry is doing that now. So they need to be aware that the cost of the cards, they probably already are aware of what the cost is. If they're grading anywhere, they're paying it. So um, uh, we'll accept the submissions on these uh, card levels and we'll grade them and, and happy to do the business there. But our intention is to bring our business to you. <laughs> okay, Jay Wilson says, I think Jay Lee has room for a slabomatic on that back shelf. As Steve mentioned, it's 250 square feet, uh, Jay Wilson, so I don't, but yeah, I thank you for the giggle on that one for sure. Um, so one of one memorabilia cards, friends of mine say, what about Australia? And uh, yeah. Hoff Van Dam says, and New Zealand. And then we had a comment down here from, uh, where did it go? South Korea, I think I saw. South one of the Koreas I saw. I don't see yeah. the, I don't see it right now. But Steve, can you speak to Australia, New Zealand, and, and other countries around the world as well? Yes, I have. We haven't had any contact directly from New Zealand. We uh, have had contact directly from Australia. We have uh, uh, a proposal has been made to us to uh, people who want to buy the exclusive territory rights, the, the country rights for Australia. Um, and so that's a possibility. We're not, we're not spending our time on that right now. And, but, but it, 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 there are people interested in that. Um, the, all of Asia, uh, we have a very well connected, uh, group in Hong Kong. Um, and they, they, they're, they're positioned in Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, Thailand, Malaysia. And China, and uh, uh, they've given us a lot of information about uh, what opportunities might exist in China, what doors they're able to open. So yeah, we're looking at those things. And before you 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 pursue those things, take care of business in your backyard. And uh, so um, you know, before you go moose hunting, you you ought to know how to duck hunt. Yeah, slow and steady, I think, and. Uh eventually um service everybody that wants the service and i think some of the from what i've heard some of the expansion strategy through these just the ability to have a remote pod um not have to send your cards always into the united states for grading is something that i think really uh differentiates tag from any of the manual grading companies because there's no need for manual graders it's done by the software so that's uh, that. Thomas Peterson says, how many grading locations are there initially, Steve? One. One? Yeah, this is it. Uh, we, uh, we have identified uh, the people, the location. As a matter of fact, in one instance, they've already taken uh, more office space, hired more people. Uh, they are trying to position themselves to be a, a 
group submitter had to have their own uh, remote grading pod. Um, that person, uh, a person, not that person, a person uh, who's already an investor in the company uh, also has an interest in uh, having a grading pod that would be in the Western uh, United States. Um, as far as countries go, uh, we've heard from, I think, 11, at last count, 11 countries that uh, have, people from 11 countries have expressed interest. We're, uh, look, in case anybody hasn't come to the conclusion, I'm going to make it really obvious. We're a startup company. We're small. We don't have any private equity funds in this deal. We have funded it for 10 years with family and friends. We own the founders and co-founders own 80 plus percent of the company. Uh, we've positioned ourselves instead of selling equity when the company was worthless, we've positioned ourselves to sell equity at much higher values, much less dilution. We've, we've incurred the pain of positioning ourselves to do that. We are looking for the right partner of all of the things that we talked about today about the future, the one that I think is the one I would like to see happen most is for us to affiliate with the right partner. No cash to, to us, but the missing piece for us is the right partner. People who have access, contacts, knowledge, credibility, capital. Uh, we'll get it all. We're going to get it the hard way, you know, putting one foot in front of the other uh, and we'll do it. But if we were to partner up with uh, the right people, we could expedite this process uh, remarkably, uh, impactfully. Uh, and that's that that's in the best interest of everybody. Yeah. So okay. meantime, we'll we'll go along 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. Uh, our our the equipment that we have here right now um, is capable of doing many, many more uh, cards a month than those numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, it comes back to the question here from Thomas about how many grading locations are there initially. Can you speak to, we talk about the grading pod, which is your, your system of receiving image capture, uh, printing the slab and then welding the slab and then shipping out. If I got that right, I think I got that right. Um, how many of those pods do you have in the tag facility in which you're sitting right now? Or if you're willing to share? Yes, we have uh, the, the equipment. We have uh, 10 image capture. Uh, we have uh, uh, nine or 10 of the printers were pretty well matched up. We've got four welders. The welders work five times faster than anything else. So we we've matched the capacity to have 10, 10 grading processes. And um, uh, we want to get, we're not using anywhere near that equipment. It's here. We paid for it and it's, it's sitting here. The reason that we're not trying to get to capacity too quickly is that I mentioned this uh, in one of the earlier episodes. I think one of the most important things when you're in business is not to fall in love with your own story. And you tell it to yourself so many times, uh, you, you lose sight of the fact that you're a startup company and you start to think you're, you're Apple 
and and you make decisions that are irrational after they fail and you look back on them you go why why did we do that then and so i don't want to be in that position I, I i'm old enough to have the discipline to to say there is no rush i mean we're we'll be cash flow positive we'll we'll be income positive but it, it, so we don't need to do more than this and as we make um, do more volume and more profit i want to be able hopefully to reduce our fees and keep keep growing the industry by making it more accessible. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to have the capacity to do a hundred thousand cards a month operating when we open the door, because I believe that no process is foolproof and good management is not management that creates a process that has no problems. Good management is a management team that knows that there are problems and the problems that are ultimately occur are able to be corrected without the public being aware they exist. You can't change your scoring system. You can't call the cards back. You can't put the wrong flip on the card. You can't send out crack slabs. Those are the things that, that when you start open your door and you do 100,000 cards a month, those are the mistakes you're going to make. What for? To make more money? It's not the right way to do it, in my opinion. So 10,000 cards, uh, it's a drop in the bucket. So we know we can manage that and, and we're going to check every step of the way. Good. But, I mean, we could be mistaken for a manual company. We're going to have so much manual time in quality assurance. Okay. I, I want to, uh, the next big question is when will public submissions launch on the website? We're going to uh, get back from national. The reason that, that we're not doing anything before national is we have a lot of people that have reached out to us for a meeting uh, at national and want to talk to us about various things that um, they won't change what I said we're doing. Um, but they may they may be incorporated in some way in what we're doing. So I want to hear and meet with those people. And uh, that means the first week of August, we will we'll publish this uh, on our website and the packages. You'll see what they are and those packages will be available when we publish them. We'll tell everybody in advance on what day, on what time they'll be available. And um, uh, and we'll start grading those cards a couple weeks later. We'll give a couple weeks to sell this out. I don't know if it'll sell out in three hours, one day, a week. I, I don't know. Um, although we're getting very positive feedback. I think it's going to happen pretty quickly, um, but we're anticipating we'll start grading the cards September 1st. So when's the early, is September 1st the date that I can go onto the website and fill out a, an, an order submission and-, and No, no, uh, it'll, it'll probably be the first week in August, second week in August. Um, I want to allow a couple of weeks there because I don't know how much time it would take to, to sell this out. So for example, if nobody wanted 14 day turnaround time and, and we listed this and nobody took the 14 day turnaround time, what am I going to do, just sit and wait? So um, I, I, I need to see the response, but I know that we will start uh, no later than September 1st. I, there, I don't know if that's a holiday. I don't think so. so but September 1st. I don't, so, it might be a Sunday. 
So Give just to clarify, because you're not going to know whether or not these packages sell out until the web, the website, the order management system component uh, uh, module of the website actually opens up. So what I'm yeah, asking is, when does I, that OMS open up? I said around the first week in August. Okay. Okay. And then I want to allow a couple of weeks after it opens up before we we commit to starting to grade the cards. You don't have to send the cards in. It's up to you. But um, we want to make every stage of this very orderly for us. It's it's to our advantage. We want to know exactly how many cards we're going to be grading in which time periods. We're going to limit it to that. We're going to make sure that we are uh, properly positioned to do it. I don't want to go into the details too much, but we are we are putting so much quality assurance in this, and I need to know. Uh, are we going to be grading ten thousand cards in the in the uh, thirty-one to sixty-day period, or twenty? Because if if that's the case, I could take more cards in the thirty-day slot because I'm going to have that quality assurance in place for the 60 day slot. So that's why I'm saying I want to see what packages come in and I want to have a couple of weeks to make sure that we we deal with what the people want and do it in a way that's efficient for us to not force us to put an enormous amount of quality assurance in for the first 30 days and not need it for the second and third 30 day periods. Let me ask this about turnaround times. Are they are the turnaround times guaranteed? Yes. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I think that's something that for a long time in the industry, you'd see turnaround times, but they weren't honored. And uh, the hobby just came to accept that. So if you guys are committing to that, that's uh, that's a nice differentiator as well. Yeah, um, we, are, we are finalizing the terms and conditions. Uh, our attorneys are Latham and Watkins, and they're uh, a very, very uh, capable a firm and uh we're finalizing the terms and conditions and warranties and and that particular question that you just asked we're currently working on that language and it's not going to be exactly you make it by x day there will be some little leeway it has to allow for holidays it has to allow for so so it will say it, it will be clearly defined what day you can expect your cards and that will be guaranteed. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I want three comments that I want to address that have come in, uh, in the chat. So let's do, uh, this one here from Jay Wilson. Have you considered selling the technology to other industries or collectible areas like coins, stamps, etc.? cetera? No. Uh, good question. Uh, Jay Wilson. Uh, first, let me say that I mentioned previously, we have uh, beginning in 2015, our first uh, patent filed, we had four patents that are approved, 134 patent claims that are approved. Uh, in June, we uh, filed another patent uh, with 75 claims. In July, we saw 40 more claims. <coughs> and so what is that? 115, 134, 250 blank claims or something. They're not all approved. We're waiting for the, the June, July filings. But our patents uh, are that we have, the existing patents, are applicable to cards, coins, stamps, photos, brochures, programs, tickets, all collectibles. 
So uh, we have been contacted by a company that uh, is a uh, a clothing article grader, and uh, uh, they have inquired as to whether or not they could buy our technology for that single or license it for that single purpose. And uh, it's not ready to be used for those things. In, in, in some instances, it, it could be used. But again, I want to just be a card grader right now, but our patents do cover all of these areas. Great. So I, I suspect somebody will want to talk to us about our technology in other areas. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Eddie from Investacard says, what will you do as a company to help increase the market or resale value of the tag slabs? Because at the end of the day, it all it's all about the resale value when it's time to sell or trade. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that's uh, at the end of the day, I don't care how nice it looks, how, how accurate, consistent, reproducible uh, the grading is. I don't care what your turnaround time is. If the market rejects your card, uh, people are not going to want to buy it for all the positives so that they can lose money. So I agree. Um, we've got uh, young people in here uh, that are equity holders, co-founders that um, are well-versed in, in marketing, social media, that aspect. We have a reach that now touches a lot of people that um, are ready, willing, and able to support uh, what we're doing. Uh, we are going to take it step by step and do it with such care. Uh, one of the ways to damage your brand and resell value in the market is to put a product out there that is not what it purports to be, uh, to provide a service that is less than what the, the market uh, bargain for or expects to put a grade on a card that is not within the industry expectations. So you have to start with doing things the right way and then um, the market will appreciate that. Uh, I mean, just the slabs. Uh, I think I told you that, you know, we've spent, we spent twice, twice as much on a slab as it costs the other industry people back up they're telling me so um the uh these are the things that we think are necessary not on day one these are the things that are necessary to show people that we're here to stay we're committed to the industry we're committed to building the proper brand uh I mean, there's a reason why when you buy an Apple product, it comes in the box that it comes in and, it, and it's marketed the way that it is. And the logo is the way that it is. It's very carefully thought out and it's part of that, that value of the product. So uh, we want to emulate companies that do it what we think is the right way. Good question. And all I can give you at this point, it's not the specific plans because we work on them. We're working on them. But... Your, our, my assurance that this is something we are really paying attention to. I want to be the highest valued uh, slab in the industry. There's, uh, there's no reason that I'm aware of that we won't be there. But it, it's not going to happen on day one, although it might. Okay. 
the last question well, that I had was Investacard, because you asked that question, I'm wondering if that might be something in your background. If it is, then you have ideas. If anybody out there uh, has ideas and suggestions and things they'd like to see that they think support the secondary market, please get in touch. I, I, I welcome it. The best way to learn is to talk to the people that have the information. Okay. Are you good? Yes. Okay. Um, Inglorious says, will you show off your technology? We did that in episode four, Inglorious. Just go back and watch that episode and you will you will definitely see that there. Uh, Sancho asked this question. Would you ever sell your company to PSA or anyone else, I guess, if they offered you a lot of money? What's a lot of money? Are you asking me for a definition of what a lot of money is or if I have any angst against PSA? I don't understand the question. You don't. That's fine. You don't need to answer it. I, I think the question I think it, the question might just be, is the company for sale? Maybe that's the question. We do not. I just came in here tonight for the show and I did notice that there was no for sale sign outside on the door. So uh, we're not quote for sale. And I don't have any expectations to sell the company. However, if I believed that this company in the hands of other people would provide a higher level of service and, and a broader market reach, in other words, they would do more good for the industry, I would entertain that discussion. I don't know that that exists right now. I don't, I don't know that there's somebody out there who I think could have a better vision, a better understanding of what we're doing and, and, a, and a better feel for how to do it. But <clears throat> I have the utmost respect for PSA. I mentioned them because it was specifically listed in the question. I, I, I have the same for a number of companies. Uh, and I've mentioned their names periodically. How could anybody doubt the credibility of Fanatics or eBay? I, I, or, I mean... There's certain companies out there that Google, there's certain companies out there that they could do a lot with our technology. And I respect that. And uh, I'm in it for, I want our founders and our investors to do well. Uh, I hope I do well financially, but my number one thing is I have made a commitment to myself for 10 years that I was going to leave some legacy on this industry. And this is it. So I'm not wavering in that. Okay, good. Okay, well, from my perspective, Steve, I'm at the end of my agenda notes. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, you'd like to address before we wrap this up? And to the to the people in the in the chat, thank you all for joining, uh, sticking around this long. If you've been here from the beginning, um, feel free to throw in a couple of final questions if you have them, and I'll get to as many as I can. But Steve, over to you. For anything else you'd like to chat about? This uh, five-episode reveal has been one of, if not the best experience I've had these 10 years with Ted. And getting to know you uh, first has been an honor. You are hardworking. You're detail-oriented. You are, you, you are not shy about asking questions. You don't just accept the words. I've very much enjoyed and continue to enjoy our interaction and um your your subscribers the audience they have been so responsive and even the people who have questioned something for the most part have done it i think in a very um 
bona fide way. Sometimes I think they misunderstood. Sometimes I made mistakes, but nevertheless, very respectful and, and um, with few exceptions. <laughs> I also think that I personally and our team have learned a lot from these uh, five episodes. The questions and the answers, it's one thing to shoot your mouth off. It's another thing by the time you get to the next episode, thinking about what you said and understanding that in your own logic, in your own plan, there's an inconsistency. And it's, it's, it's that being forced to express yourself for 10 hours on what it is you're doing um, has been very fruitful uh, for us as a company. And so to a certain degree, when we're successful, I think we owe you and your audience a debt of gratitude for the help they've given us. Um, and then lastly, I think I our employees are not here at Saturday night. Uh, there are actually two that are, but I would like to um, thank them. Uh, it, it's unbelievable how committed they are, how hard they work, how responsive they are, how team oriented they are. I mean, these are people that they go out of their way to to assist and be friendly and smile and check on each other. And I, I'm so proud to uh, be in the organization uh, to, to say that I work with TAG. So thank you for all of that. And thank everybody for giving me the opportunity to uh, spend as much time as I have and for TAG to spend as much time as it has. Thank you. Okay. Well, I appreciate all those kind words about uh sports cards live uh my involvement and of course uh our our sports cards live community before we end this i'm going to throw out a couple of more comments that have come in that have come in but i'm going to say we're not going to address them at length right now steve we're going to we're going to wrap up quickly but i don't think we need to uh eddie invested cards says maybe we're looking to lend against tag slabs with our card fi service cards card finance service but first there has to be proper market value in order for us to underwrite the same way we do for PSA, SGC, BGS, he goes on to say, we should definitely set up a call and discuss opportunities and ideas. And, and Eddie, I'll just say to you, reach out to these guys. Um, Steve pretty much gets back to, I don't want to put Steve under any pressure, but he'll get back to you pretty quick or someone there will, and they'll definitely set up a Zoom call with you. I would definitely think. Go ahead, and, Steve. And Jeremy, uh, financing is in our plan. It's been in our plan for a few years. Uh, with the digital fingerprinting uh, that we do, uh, we have the ability to assure that uh, the card that we grade and slab is the, is the, the card that we slab is the card that we grade, no substitutions. Um, we know that it's uh, authentic and accurate. There's no resubmission worry. But the beauty of the financing, and we're, we're definitely going into the financing business, by the way. So, uh, Eddie, call me because I'd be happy to talk to you. We, we, I've done this before. This is probably the only part in this business I've previously done. So we are going into the financing business and uh, very quickly, the only two risks that I'm aware of in financing, and I've done this, as I said before, uh, one is the ability to recall the asset uh, in the event of a default. And the other one is that the asset value at the time of recall is equal to the outstanding balance of, of the loan. Other than those two, there's not a risk in financing. And in our case, we would finance cards. Uh, I think it might already be on our order management system. If not, it will be. You can check off a box and saying that you want the card to go to eBay and you want eBay to list the card with financing available. We hold that card. eBay gets the image. We keep that card. We grade it. It's in our vault. And um, uh, 
we provide the insurance. Uh, we're doing uh, in our plan a 50% advance rate. There's probably six to 10 points in fees up front for the first time a borrower, loan admin, uh, legal documents, et cetera, first time borrower fee. So we've got something like 40% of the value of the card uh, and there's 60% equity by the borrower at the, at the time of financing. 12 month AMWRT, equal AMWRT. So the card has to drop two thirds in value the first month for there to be a risk in the financing. I've done this before with hundreds of millions of dollars of asset value and never had a default. So um, whether the advance rate is enough, I'd love to talk to you about Eddie and uh, please get in touch. Okay. And he did ask me to get you his uh, contact, steve at taggrading.com. Is, is that what it is? There you go, Eddie, steve at taggrading.com. Okay, I'm going to move on right now. Uh, Lucky Cases, I've watched every episode, excited about real AI in the industry, although I don't know that it's considered real AI, but that's a topic for a prior episode. Also appreciate all the transparency. Great job, Tom. Thank you, Lucky K, for being here throughout. Jay Wilson says, I hear, I, I hear discount code for Sports Cars Live subscribers, and I saw Tag uh, gave the eyeballs on that one right there. Andrew Marks, if you provide ways for collectors overseas to drop off raw cards for submission in the overseas country instead of mailing it into the U.S., this would be another friction point resolved. And Andrew Marks, they, yeah, they're definitely, that's what the remote pod yeah, is all it. about. That's it. That's it. Um, okay. Uh, that's about it for now. Yeah, that's it, guys. We're going to wrap up. This has been, uh, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. One, one thing. I, I, I... I have to comment on AI. Um, AI is, it's a misnomer. And I mean, we've spent 10 years at this. Steve, I'm yeah. going to put you on the screen alone. I have to go to the bathroom quick. I'll be right back. I'm sorry, but I'm going to just, you'll be on alone now. Okay. I'll be right back. Right. Um, when, when you have a lot of data and you use AI, AI is capable of deciphering that data and uh, arriving at um, a formulaic uh, resolve of, of what you're trying to do. The problem is that in grading, there is no quote accurate grade. All the, all the definition of an accurate grade is a verbal grade uh, that grading companies put out. Each one uses a definition that's fairly similar. They, they talk about the, the type, whether it's a major, minor defect, one corner, four corners, whatever. But the only way that you could um, translate that quantitatively is to go through a lot of cards that already have been graded by um, manual grading companies and find an AI solution, uh, given all of the attributes and all of the defects that fits the grades that exist. If you assume those grades are the, are the grades for the industry, that's not really the, the full utilization of AI. There's a lot of machine learning in what you just described, <clears throat> but that's what we do. That's what we did. And we're not trying to find an accurate grade. We're, we're attempting to assume. An accurate grade is the grade that the industry expects after 30 years of grading companies telling them, this is the definition of a 10, this is the definition of a nine, an a nine and a half, and then giving them grades associated with certain defects. We are not changing the industry standard. So it's not what I would call a true AI uh, uh, 
resolve uh, a lot of machine learning in there and and uh, I don't want to represent that that tag is quote an AI system as a matter of fact I don't uh, every company that's out there that says they're an AI system my answer is just show it to me just show me it I I don't believe it can't be done okay I'm going to read some final comments before I do that everybody you can see on the ticker right now there's their website there's their Instagram and Twitter if you're not following them yet I, I suggest you go ahead and do so um and before I go through final comments, I just want to thank everybody, uh, myself, for you know getting through these five episodes. And uh, it was nice to take a little break over the last couple of weeks and have some nice collector-centric episodes here on the channel. I plan to get back to many more of those. They are among my favorites, but this has certainly been a, a great experience for me to be able to uh, do this with Stephen and, and his team. Uh, great group of people over there at TAG, and I'm just, um, I've been really like a privilege i felt the privilege and honor to be a part of this i do think that this is a a bit of a turning point in the history of the hobby that we're going to look back upon in 20 30 years uh with that uh mark santucci wants to know if there's a late show mark no late show tonight i'm sorry uh e egyptian hebrew hindu anglo says very interesting to see the impact tag will have on other grading companies sancho says tag will be the best company thomas peterson says great session and good luck Eddie, great info. Thank you, Eddie, for joining. Egyptian says, new grading companies see the opportunity to give the hobby a better product than the dinosaurs have. Um, okay. And what else we have coming in right now? Rick Bowman, Jeremy and Steve, thank you. I've watched all these episodes and can't wait to send in a 10-card submission. Hobby Champs is pricing updated on the website. Steve, I think you said that it's going to end up on the website when? Yes. First week in August. First week in August. There you go, Hobby Champs. First week. Our, our average price, I might say, uh, for all of these tranches and all of these uh, um, uh, uh, buckets uh, was $19.25 and are incurring the cost of the two-way shipping for supplies. So average, average is $19.25, but... Yeah. If you're comparing apples to apples with other uh, other options in the marketplace, uh, that includes shipping and supplies. So that's, in, that's yeah. important, that's I, important I to think, know. I think the supply costs were, I, I, don't, don't, it's okay. I think they were $1.60 or just for the-, the, the uh, Per card, okay. And uh, Lucky K, this is a good question, actually. Pay it submission or time of grading? Submission. Submission. Thank you. And Jay Wilson uh, actually, said, I'd love to have actually, Tag on in six actually, months. It's, Sorry? It's actually, you pay at the time you, you secure the, your, your bucket. It's even before it's a submission. You, it's you, when you fill out the OMS, right. the order management. Correct. Okay. Jay Wilson, I, I'd love to have Tag on in six months to have an update. Yeah, that's a great idea, Jay Wilson. Steve, we should uh, we should arrange that and do another episode um, in about six months' time, or whenever there's if there's a if there's an important update. I you know I'd even be happy to do something uh, a segment or something with you. So we can definitely do something like that in the future. All right, Steve, thanks for uh, joining. I, it's nice we you, you bookended this whole thing. You came in on on episode one. You're uh, you're wrapping up episode five. We have seen you intermittently on episodes two, three, and four as well, but. It's nice to start with you and end with you here. Um, everyone else, if you missed any of the other episodes and you so are so inclined, feel free to go watch them. They are on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. 
And uh, I always recommend watch it 1.5 speed. I tend to talk fast at, at times, so you might not understand, but it's not me you want to hear. It's Steve at that point. So uh, Steve and his team. So go ahead and do that. Jay Wilson wishes uh, Tag the best of luck. Thank and with you. that, Steve, we're going to end it, all right? Yep, we're done. Thank you so much. Thank everybody. I appreciate it. All right, Steve, hang tight right there, everybody else. Again, thank you so much. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, Mark Demers, Boston Authentic on Instagram, is my guest on Collectible Live. And next Saturday on Sports Cards Live, it is Leighton Sheldon of Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. And I'm also planning a Friday night um, hobby get-together live on the channel with a few of my friends. So stay tuned for that on my uh, Instagram and Facebook you and Twitter. You might see something on that. That's it. This one is over. Thanks, everybody. And with that, this is the end of the five-card reveal series. Have a great rest of your night, everybody.